0: The Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, episode 218. For 67 years, from the end of World War II up until 2015, late night dancing was illegal in Japan. Add that to the list of illegal things that I did while I lived there. Shh. When I first moved to Japan, I had never gone on a backpacking trip before. I actually didn't own a travel backpack because I had never gone on a backpacking trip. So during that first year that I lived in Japan, that winter of the first year, I was going to go on a backpacking trip. I went out, I got a backpack, it was okay, and then I started doing more research into backpacks and I saw one that had just hit the market, the Tortuga Backpacks. Met the founder of Tortuga, Fred, we got to talking, I said, yeah, I'm going to try out this pack. Uh, you know, I wasn't sure if I was going to like it, thought it might be okay. And since that day, I have never owned another backpack. That is the backpack that has gone around the world with me for the last four years. So whether you're someone who's looking for your first backpack or you're looking for another backpack because maybe you're not satisfied with the one that you have, go on over. Check out TortugaBackpacks.com. And if you do decide to pick something up, make sure to use the promo code EPOP, E-P-O-P, all capital letters, because that's going to get you 10% off your entire order. One, two, three. I'll show you.
1: Paris in the
0: morning I'll show you London afternoon If you feel your Dublin heart is burning Yeah, well you don't Hello, travel nerds, and welcome to the Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, the show that teaches you how to travel more while spending less. I'm your host, Travis Sherry, and joining me today is someone who is Totomo Kawaii, my wife and constant travel companion, Heather.
1: Aw, thank you.
0: Totomo Kawaii. Does everyone know what that is out there?
1: Probably not.
0: So what is it? The little Japanese that we know.
1: Really cute?
0: Really cute. (laughs) There you go. You could have come back and said that I was Totomo Kakui, which is like really cool. Mm. Kakui is cool? Kakui is cool. Ah. Kawaii is cute. So Heather, Totomo Kawaii, and we are going to be giving you a Destination Diaries episode on the entire country of Japan. So last time we did a few episodes, uh, people wanted to, us to do a Destination Diary episode on Japan because we've done a few episodes on Japan. One of them was Teaching English in Japan, episode 197, and then another was a Japan Survival Guide, episode 198, and we recorded those in November, and it was a little different outside during that time.
1: Yeah, today we're sitting in our home outside Philadelphia in February, and it is a very dreary day.
0: And last time when we recorded our Japan episodes, we were actually, it was mid-November, we were sitting out on our porch, it was a beautiful day, we actually recorded outside. So a far cry from the nasty hailing weather that we're getting today, but we'll be kept warm and cozy by our fond memories of Japan. And like we said, we've done Destination Diary episodes before, if you guys have listened to this podcast, you know that that is when we break down a place, whether it be a country or a city and we give you you know, the best places to stay, best places to eat, kind of general travel tips. This time, it's going to be a little different because we're doing a whole country. So we're going to give you some of our favorite places that you should go in Japan, because if you're going to Japan, you might not be able to hit the whole country. Believe it or not, we're also going to talk about kind of some general eating tips and then give you some specifics as well different um, places to stay. Uh, Again, giving you a general overview of the country and things that we liked, as well as a few of our favorites. And then also talking about the travel tips that we recommend, ways to do it cheaper. And if you want more information, again, in the Japan Travel Guide episode 198, we dived into this stuff as well. So I'm really, really excited. Before we get started, though, I do want to say thank you to everyone. If you listened to last week's podcast, We asked you to do us a favor, subscribe to our new podcast, which is called Location Indy. And it's all about how to become location independent and kind of a look behind the scenes of of a real life experience of location independence, because it looks glamorous on Instagram and Facebook. And and it is fun to get to travel and live and work anywhere. But there's a lot of obstacles and struggles that go throughout that. So Jason from Zero to Travel and I have started a new podcast. We asked you to go on, subscribe to that. We're trying to hit number one on iTunes. Currently, we're hitting, we're sitting at number two. 91 overall in the world on iTunes. So we're not at number one yet, but we've done really, really well. And we just want to say thank you for that. Um, Absolutely amazing the fact that we're cracking the top 100 with huge name podcasts like NPR and Serial and things with production crews and things like that, whereas we are just a few people sitting around with microphones talking about our experience. So we're really grateful for that and we really appreciate it. And now we want to get into our Destination Diaries Japan episode. So, Heather, I think the best way to start off is to kind of give people an overview of maybe when to go. Because we get asked this question quite often of of when people should travel to Japan, what time period in the year.
1: I think with Japan, some of the best times to travel are actually in the off seasons because... Summer is incredibly hot and humid there. It's not super comfortable time to be in Japan. And they have so many cool activities in the off season. One of which being Hanami season.
0: Our favorite.
1: Our favorite, which is cherry blossom season. And this is one of the best times in Japan because all of the cherry blossoms come out and the whole country just... Parties and and has these picnics outside underneath the cherry blossom trees and it's a really really fun time and that's usually the very end of March into the beginning of April.
0: Yeah, and like a lot of places, we've we've done a different podcast on this where we call it the best time to travel and it's shoulder season. People, you know, right off those peak seasons where you can get good deals on stuff, accommodations are cheaper generally. You know, you can find airfare cheaper or using your frequent fire miles. There's availability. But it's still hitting the kind of best parts of everything. And, and as you mentioned, have Japan uh, summer in Japan can get really, really hot. We lived in an area called Hamamatsu, in a, in a city called Hamamatsu, which is between Tokyo and Osaka. So right there on the coast, it gets really, really hot and humid in the summer. And uh, so typically, you know, that's when a lot of people will travel dur- during the summer, June, July, August. I wouldn't say don't go during that time, but it is... It can be pretty brutal in Japan in the summer.
1: Yeah. And I always think like when it's hot and it's it's beach time, go to a country that has amazing beaches, like go to Italy and go to Positano or something like that. Like Japan doesn't have a very strong beach culture, so there's really no reason to go in the hot months of, ch- of the summer.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. The only thing that I would recommend going if, if you're going to go in the summer, um, there is one reason, and we did this when we first arrived in Japan, and that is to hike to the top of Mount Fuji. And that is one of the things that we would recommend you do. Now, hiking to the top of Mount Fuji, you can only do in July and August.
1: Well, I mean technically you can do it any time of the year, but there are stations along the along the way and they're only open in July and August. So if you want to be able to stop at one of the stations and you can you get a stick at the bottom, a walking stick, and you get it stamped at each location. Those those things are only open in those two months of the year.
0: Yeah, and it is not recommended. We have to throw this out there. Uh not recommended to hike when the stations are not open. Of course you can do it, but it is I mean it gets you know, snow covered at the top of Mount Fuji, um for most of the year, other than the, the two hottest months of the year traditionally so it you know you would be you'll be hiking up through snow and things like that so not recommended uh to do outside of july and august but if you are going to japan and you are going in july or august that is an amazing experience i think something everyone should do
1: yeah it's definitely an epic hike and there's amazing views from the top of that Mountain slash volcano.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So if that is on your list, make sure you're going July and August. If it's not Hanami end of March into April, they actually, there's Hanami calendars. So you can put that in in Google. You can put cherry blossom season in Japan. So every year it's a big deal because what's so great about the cherry blossoms is they, well, great and also bad, is that they only bloom typically for about a week. They're very fragile. And And then they're gone. So... It's amazing because when it's happening, everyone is so excited and and it's just this really great vibe. But if you miss that window, you're either going to come too early or too late. So um, it does work its way up the coast as it starts where it's warmer down in the south of Japan and then works its way up the coast. So there are people and and. Who do vacations and trips where they just follow the cherry blossom route up the coast? So if you're going to Japan for four weeks, you could literally have four whole weeks of cherry blossom as you work your way up the coast as they turn.
1: Yeah, to me, it's the most magical season in Japan. Um, the the best time, but also fall is really nice too because it's mild in Japan. Like when we lived there, I remember traveling. In October and November, and just thinking, wow, this is so nice because it's, you know, you can just wear a light jacket with a sweater, and it, it was a really comfortable time to travel.
0: Yeah, I would I would avoid summer. I would also avoid winter, unless, of course, you're going to ski. If you're going to ski, hit up Nagano, hit up Sapporo, which we're going to talk about, um, Hokkaido, which is the northernmost island, um, the city of Sapporo, which we'll, we'll talk about a little bit as well. Um, definitely great to go in the winter then, but I wouldn't recommend going in the winter as just a general traveler who's not going for winter sports because it does get very cold and most of the places do not have central heat, at least um, stuff below kind of the main parallel. Like if you cut the country in half, everything south does not have central heat, even though it gets really, really cold. So we lived in the area without heating.
1: Yeah, it wasn't the best. So basically, I guess what we're saying is before you go to Japan, you need to decide what your activity will be, skiing, cherry blossoms, temple visiting, whatever, And then plan your trip accordingly.
0: Right. And that is what we'll jump right into that. A great segue for some of the activities that we recommend that people do while they're in Japan that we have done. We already mentioned Hanami season, the cherry blossom season. It's fantastic. If you can only go, if you only think you're ever going to go to Japan once and you can go during that, that would be my number one thing to recommend. Another really cool thing if you are going to if you want to ski or if you 're going to go into the winter i 'm um, going up to Sapporo, which is the capital city of the northernmost island of Hokkaido in early February. They have an amazing experience that we got to go to um, called Yuki Matsuri, which do you remember what it translates to? Um, Yuki. well,
1: Matsuri is festival
0: and Yuki is snow, and so Yuki it just is means snow. snow festival.
1: Um, so yeah, this is like, a, a, they have humongous snow sculptures and ice sculptures. I mean, they had, you know, all of some, the anime characters, they had like Super, Super Mario, a
0: huge Lion King exhibit that was I think 70 feet high Of of an ice sculpture, Like 70 feet high And probably 40 feet wide That they were dancing And singing in front of Yeah, it's just
1: insane And they had like a temple And it's a really, really cool Festival to visit And, you know Everyone in, in Japan thinks Oh, you're going to Hokkaido It's so cold But, you know, being from the East Coast it was It was better for us because it was more like an East Coast winter. It would be snowing and it was cold, but it wasn't like damp like the coastal towns like you know where we lived in japan so if you're used to snowy winters, then it's completely normal
0: and if you want snow, what's really neat about Sapporo in general in February, it snows a ton, but they're used to it. I mean, they get a ton of snow, I believe it's the it's the it gets the most snowfall for a city over i think 500,000 people in the world. So they're used to getting a ton of snow up there. So they, you know, people are out and about, they're dealing with it, you know, and you're in the middle of a blizzard, but it's it's really fun. So if you want a lot of snow, highly recommended going to Sapporo and if you're going to go up there, try to make it in the beginning of February so you can hit that Yuki Matsuri. We're going to give you some places to eat later, but since we're on the uh on, on Sapporo right now, we might as well throw a few out there, two specific places. Now, when we were in Japan, we were pretty poor, um, and we also, you know, we, we just, I, I guess I'm saying we didn't eat at a lot of nice places. So some of the stuff we're going to give you to eat, it's, it's really, um, I guess, just normal, how do I want to say it? It's not fine dining; it's regular dining, and these two places are no different in Sapporo. One is the Genghis Khan barbecue at the Sapporo Brewery.
1: That was such an amazing experience. I'm not a big, like, meat eater, and when we went with a, a group of friends, and everybody wanted to do this Genghis Khan barbecue, and I'm thinking, oh, just like grilled meat. I'm just gonna be eating grilled meat all night. Well, it was amazing. It was these like finally cut pieces of lamb and you just grill them on this like a little personal iron cast grill with like these amazing sauces and you just you stay, You spent how long were we there like two three hours
0: I, I think we're supposed to be there through I think we all stayed there for we were the group of about 50 people and um, they do a thing called Nomi Hodai and Tabe Hodai. Nomi Hodai means all you can eat. Tabe Hodai means all you can drink. And now I've exhausted all the Japanese words I know. <laughs> um, and so we did Nomi Hodai, Tabe Hodai. So they bring you all the f- meat out that you could want. They just keep bringing you meat and these and little onions and, and stuff like that. Sweet potatoes. Like, sweet potatoes. And you just or, put it on... No, you know, it's
1: pumpkin. Sorry. They do pumpkin there.
0: Pumpkin. There's like two. There's like a grill for every two people. And you just sit there and you make your own food. And then they just bring out more beer and drinks and things like that. So I think we're supposed to stay for three hours. I believe we stayed for four. It was crazy. Now, this Sapporo Brewery, it seats, I believe they said, 3,000 people inside. It's just this huge, massive room. And everyone is cooking grilled meat so that you don't want to go in nice clothes because your, your clothes are going to stink of meat. But what they do is they give you bags when you enter, trash bags. So if you have any nice clothes or jackets that you don't want to smell you take them, you put them in the trash bag, you tie them up. So, you know, wear some like crappy t-shirts and stuff like that. You will start sweating if you're eating a lot of meat. At least I did. I know a bad visual. Gross. For this is not enticing. But um, it was just a really, really fun time. I think at that point, it was like $30 a person or something, $35 a person. Uh, just a really, really great time at the Sapporo Brewery.
1: Yeah. And the Sapporo Brewery itself is a fun tour to do because you can. they have like a museum and you can taste beers and stuff. And I mean, Sapporo, Sapporo beer wasn't my favorite beer and still is not my favorite beer, but it's a cool experience to go to the brewery because the craft beer culture, well, at least when we lived in Japan, what was non-existent. Right.
0: Um, another place in Sapporo that you might want to head to is, the, uh, is Sapporo Dominica, and it's a soup curry place. So soup curry kind of just traditional up in Sapporo. And it was probably the best meal I had in my two years in Japan was this soup curry at Sapporo, Dominica. It's exactly what it sounds like. It's not a curry. It's not a soup. It's kind of in between. And it has amazing, amazing flavor. So if you're in Sapporo, uh, get that. And if you can find the place called Dominica, definitely head there. We had a good experience there. Some other places that we would recommend heading, like just some general areas and, and cities that we really liked and they're kind of can't miss if you do end up heading to Japan.
1: Well, my favorite city absolutely hands down in all of Japan that we visited is Kyoto. And obviously, that's for many Mine too. reasons. Mine, I you know, think, no, I have another one. Everybody loves Kyoto because it's very historic. It it's the capital and well, it used to be the capital. And it's just so beautiful. It's so traditional. Like whereas Tokyo is very, you know,
0: crazy and
1: busy and humongous like obviously how many people live in tokyo like 40 million or something like that um whereas kyoto is just it feels smaller and it's more relaxing and you know whenever we're there we would rent bikes and just bike around and visit all of the amazing temples
0: yeah kyoto is the soul of japan um whereas tokyo might you would say maybe is like the beating heart you know all the economics and stuff like that. What I love about Kyoto is the fact that you have a huge city right next to it in Osaka. So that kind of takes all the big city feel off it because everything can go on there. Whereas then you get to go to Kyoto and experience the the soul and the history of Japan. If you're there, a few things you have to, as Heather mentioned, rent bikes, just bike around, biking through Gion, uh, seeing the geisha at night was one of the best experiences we had in Japan in our two years there. We we're just biking through and you see the geisha come out of the tea houses and things like that. And they have like, like the
1: old streets that are like kind of cobblestone-like and the traditional houses. And I mean, it's, it's just... Very authentic, but not like a touristy authentic because it's right. still like a working little village inside of Kyoto City.
0: Yeah, so Gion's awesome. Kyo Musadera which is the water temple, is one of my favorite um, places in the entire world. It's super touristy. It's super packed, but at the same time, you are in like the world's biggest treehouse up in the you know <laughs> up in the mountain, and it's built into the tr- like right into the forest. Um, it's fantastic. If you could ever get to, I always say, if you could get to Kiyomizu-dera and you're the only person there, it would be the most magical place on the wor- in the world. It's still magical, even with thousands of people there. But Kiyomizu-dera, you can't miss. And then, hep you, I didn't get to do this, but you went to Arashiyama. Well, before
1: we move out of Kyoto, I mean, there's plenty of other amazing places. Um, the Fushimi Inari, is that what it is? Yep. Fushimi, the one with all the red Tory gates. You never went to that one. Right. But I went with your parents and your sister and it I was not is, allowed to
0: take time off work, so Heather and my parents and sister had an amazing experience in Kyoto that I did not have.
1: It is so amazing. But before we leave Kiyomizudera, what's the walking street that you it's like all those traditional old homes and like touristy shops? I mean, you can't really miss it. But if you walk up to Kiyomizudera, there's all of these little shops and it's really beautiful. So you should definitely do that on the way to Kiyomizu-dera. And then if you're in Kyoto, you can't miss Fushimi Inari because that is just a really cool temple. But yeah. then... If you want to leave Kyoto You take a train Which is I think About 45 minutes to an hour Outside of Kyoto To Arashiyama And that is like This beautiful river Where you can take a scenic train I think it's like It's a red train I think it's called the love train Because it's like very romantic And you can take it up the river And back down to Arashiyama Or you can take it up And then actually take a boat Like a little tiny boat Down the river Which is really cool And I did that also with your parents.
0: Not with me. Me and Heather did not go on the love train together, unfortunately. Um,
1: But then one of the most photographed places, I think, in Japan is the bamboo forest in Arashiyama because it just is very mystical and you'll always see pictures of people, you know, in that bamboo forest. So you can't miss that
0: cannot miss Kyoto or, or the stuff around there uh, typically if people do do a short trip to Japan we're talking like a week they'll they'll do Tokyo they might fly into Tokyo and then they'll take the train down to Kyoto and hit those two spots uh, that would be fine obviously there's a lot more to see but y- Kyoto you you know, getting up to Sapporo, the northernmost island, you know, a little difficult, things like that. You can't miss Kyoto. If you're going to Japan, you can even hop on a bullet train. Even if you're there for a few days, take it right down to Kyoto. At least spend a day or two in Kyoto because it's it's the most magical place in Japan, um, in our opinion, and in a lot of people's opinion. Um, some of the other places you should go. We really like Kobe. Kobe. Um, it's a, you know it was destroyed, decimated by the earthquake in I'm gonna be wrong here, but maybe 96. And I can't remember. And it's, but that so sounds it's a right. very new city also right around Kyoto. So you can do Kyoto, Osaka, and Kobe very easily. They're all right there. Um, just a really cool city because it's modern and fun and easy to get around and not as big as Osaka. I just really liked the vibe there. Um, There was a pretty decent Western vibe. So we were living in Japan for two years. So we were kind of after that. Um, After a while, we wanted that type of vibe. So we really like Kobe. And the Earthquake Museum, I found really, really fascinating in Kobe. And it, it was just... You know, sometimes you go to museums and they can really be hit or miss. I thought the uh, Kobe Earthquake Museum was really, really neat.
1: And the thing about Kobe is that the scenery there is very striking because the mountains come right up to the city. So you can actually take a cable car or you can drive like up the mountain and you can see like the the views of That's right. the city. And yeah. I mean it's it's on the it's on the coast. So I mean it's it's really beautiful. They have like a pedestrian walk along the the water. So it's a really cool city. And then I had totally
0: forgot about going to the top of yeah. the mountain. I can't remember the name of the mountain, but there's a huge mountain. You can go right up to the top and you can overlook Kobe and then you overlook the bay, I guess that is, and you can actually see like all the way to Osaka and things like that. Yeah,
1: it's really a striking city even just to stop in for a few hours because actually when your parents were there, we were in Kyoto and we were taking the Shinkansen down to Hiroshima. We stopped in Kobe just for like a couple of hours. You know, It's easily a a doable city if you just want to stop for a couple hours along the way down the coast. Then another amazing place that we actually didn't get to see when we lived in Japan which is outside Kobe, is Himeji Castle. And it's one of the most famous castles in Japan. But while we lived there for like the whole two years, it was under construction completely. So now I think it's finished. So if you're going anytime um, from now on, I'm pretty sure that that castle is ready to be seen.
0: For sure. Um, Obviously, we would be remiss if we... We'll mention a few other things too and some activities. Um, But Tokyo, we have to hit on. Uh, you know, not our favorite city in Japan, but certainly a place that you will probably end up if you're traveling into Japan. And there are some really, really neat things. I mean, I would recommend you go out of your way, even if you're flying into Osaka, to go up to Tokyo and see it, even just for a day or two. It's crazy, but seeing. Shinjuku, uh, seeing Shibuya and the crossing. And you know, there's just a lot of things that you ha- quote unquote, have to do. What is the
1: Shibuya Crossing? Because maybe people don't know what that so is. So it's the busiest
0: <laughs> street crossing in the world. It's a pedestrian c- crosswalk. And um, you can actually sit up in the Starbucks. There's a Starbucks in one of them. And you can just watch when it turns green for people to cross the street. Just a mass of people. It's it's crazy it's always the amount busy. of people. It's yeah. just
1: Tokyo is its own thing. I mean, it's really cool to go and visit. They have a lot of really great parks. They have, you know, great restaurants. One of our favorite sushi places is also right around Shibuya Station, right?
0: The Standing Sushi Bar.
1: The Standing Sushi Bar. So it's just a really cool city. And definitely, like even though it has such mass amounts of people, there's still a lot of green space there.
0: Yeah. Um, a few of the, greens, the things that we would recommend doing in Tokyo, other than just wandering around and, and seeing the craziness, definitely hit Yoyogi Park, especially on a Sunday that's right across from Harajuku. So you get off at the Harajuku train station, um, You can Yoyogi Park is right there. And on Sunday, there's just all types of crazy people out, like just the most random things you will ever see. I mean, people doing hula hoop contests. There was like seven dudes dressed up in an Elvis... Uh, all costumes impersonating them there's like dogs wearing sunglasses that people are walking around like i took my mom through there and we're like we could do the world's weirdest scavenger hunt i mean there's groups of people who are practicing tennis strokes like 50 people in a group with an instructor but they're not playing tennis they just have a tennis racket and they're basically doing like aerobics with tennis rackets it's insane, the stuff that is happening in Yoyogi Park on a Sunday. All the weirdos come out in a good way, um, and they just have fun. So Yoyogi Park, and then right near there is Meiji Shrine.
1: Right, and Meiji Shrine is, I, I don't know the facts on this, but one of the oldest shrines in Japan, and it's very beautiful. You walk in, and it has this humongous gate where, like, like there's a picture of Trav standing next to this, like, wooden gate that's like the pole of the gate the and pillar, it's, yeah. it's the pillar it's massive so it's really beautiful when we were there we actually saw a traditional wedding ha- taking place that was really neat too so just like a very beautiful quiet place in the midst of a crazy city
0: yeah and and like we said you can get off at Harajuku which you want to do because another thing you want to do is go and see the Harajuku girls which are if you're unfamiliar with that that's everyone who just dresses up in costumes and crazy wa- makeup yeah and, and just insane stuff and just walks up and down the um this the street there yeah, uh, which in, is in a Harajuku. pretty short
1: street, but you know it's cool and then there's also lots of shopping around there and restaurants, things like that.
0: Yeah, so if you go to Tokyo, th- those three things, I mean, you can do them all at once, getting off at the Harajuku train station, which actually is a pretty cute train station as well. Meiji Shrine's right there, Yoyogi Park's right there, and the Harajuku girls are right there. I think Harajuku um, come out on Friday. I think it's Saturday, maybe Sunday too. Uh,
1: I feel like any day you could probably... Probably
0: see. there's going to be yeah. some people. Um, My favorite city, I, I guess tied with Kyoto, is Hiroshima. And... um. Going to Hiroshima, we were both a little nervous, I think, because you're not sure what to expect because of the fact that you know, as an American going there, uh, you're maybe a little timid or uptight. But I found that the history there and the peaceful nature of the people and the pleasantness of everyone, um, and especially like in the museums that they have, it was it blew me away how um, how much people didn't blame the united states for things that for for the atomic bomb and all that kind of stuff but how much all they really wanted was peace and their whole thing is peace and that's where the whole peace sign when you hold your fingers up in a v that's apparently where that came from as well and so it's just a really interesting place it's beautiful um you can see the a the um the dome, the dome there, the A-bomb dome. There, dome. The A-bomb dome and it's just, just
1: hauntingly beautiful. I mean, and it's right there next to the river and it's lit up at night. And it's just like a place where you can sit and reflect. But you feel like, I mean, the vibe in that city is not something that can even be expressed because there's so much like welcoming love and peacefulness that I, I can't believe that a city can actually exude that type of, you know,
0: yeah that presence, yeah, that presence. Yeah.
1: it's it's a really cool city and yeah like trav said i mean we had no idea how we would feel going to visit that city and you know the people there were just amazing the museum is like one of the best museums i've ever visited because it has just so much history and it's it's sad like there are there are times when i was in that museum and i was like Feeling very like uncomfortable because of you know some of the the pictures or the the exhibits that are there but i think it's a necessary thing to go and do to see that like obviously the world is capable of all these things but you know the end result now all these years later is just like this whole projection of of world peace
0: yeah so hiroshima i would highly recommend you go down there um uh, a few other places we'll just touch on really quickly. I mean you know these are the highlights that we're talking about. obviously a lot there are a lot of places in Japan to go, but we also really enjoyed the Izu Peninsula and the Mount Fuji area so that's about an hour hour and a half outside of Tokyo on on the local train so it's pretty easy to get to for a day or two if you are if you are someone who's just staying in Tokyo and the Izu Peninsula. Really pretty area. You can take a train all the way down to the bottom. That takes a little while. But nice beaches there. Our favorite place to stay, maybe in the world. One of our top accommodations ever is um, called the K's House Edo Onsen. Um, it's, and that's on the Izu Peninsula. And of course the Mount Fuji area, there's a place called Hakone near there, which you can ride the cable cars up and, um, you just have really awesome views of Mount Fuji from any of these areas.
1: Right. And it's very well-touristed. So, I mean, you can easily find information about Hakone and the Yuzu Peninsula because it's a, a really big attraction for people wanting to see good views of Mount Fuji.
0: Yeah. And uh, I I think just to finish up the places that you should visit, if you don't have enough already Nagano, really special area to us because we lived right below Nagano and the Japanese Alps. So if you're going skiing, Nagano hosted the Winter Olympics. That's a really great place to go skiing. So did Sapporo, actually. Um, Two places in Japan hosted the Winter Olympics. So great places to go skiing. Um, And in the summer, it's awesome because there's a ton of nature up in Nagano and up in the Japanese Alps. We visited a town called Matsumoto, which we really enjoyed as well.
1: Yeah, well, it's lots of great little villages in towns all throughout Japan. And like, definitely taking the trains everywhere is just... I mean, you don't need to rent a car in Japan. You just take the trains and you can see so much of the countryside just by that experience.
0: Yeah, and we'll get to the trains, everything you need to know about the trains at the end of this. So don't don't forget, we'll, we'll talk about transportation. But basically, we could sum it up by just saying trains, trains, trains. <laughs> um, a few activities that I would recommend that anyone does. And this could be done throughout Japan um going to uh, for me i like sports and so there were three different sporting events that i would go to during my time in japan one was a, a japanese soccer league so soccer is probably their third most favorite sport right then you have baseball and you have sumo um and soccer runs march through june it's just a fun experience if you're a soccer fan uh tickets are really cheap they have they have stadiums all across the country so going to a soccer match not something that i realized japan was super into before i actually went there so you know you know baseball probably if you're a sports fan you've heard of sumo but um, soccer, they're really big into it, And it's just fun and cheap and a good experience. I even drug Heather out to a few of them. Yeah, ovens.
1: I mean, which I'm thinking it only goes till June because we definitely went to some in August. Some well, maybe. August. Well,
0: yeah, maybe the yeah. season, maybe the playoffs then. I think I'm not sure. Season, but yeah, through June, yeah it was
1: cool. I mean, obviously, I'm not a big sports enthusiast, but it is fun to go. And like they did have some really cool stadiums.
0: Yeah. And another thing. And so another thing you have to do is go to a J- Japanese baseball game. It's way different than an American baseball game. Uh, this runs March through October. So similar to an uh, American baseball season. And uh, again, stadiums all throughout the country. The Tokyo Dome is really cool. They're, it's just an experience. It's really fun um and it's it's a cultural experience that's really easy to do you know you're not gonna feel out of place or anything like that it's it's really really easy but to do. very
1: different from an american baseball experience yeah just and i don't
0: even know how i mean well a they're like chanting and banging drums and stuff the whole time which i also do at the soccer matches but it's just
1: you said that the crowds weren't very enthusiastic
0: yeah the crowds are really really enthusiastic the whole game and it's not like they're not cheering against our team they're just excited to be there more or less so the crowds are really really enthusiastic um and i my favorite thing that i did the entire time i was in japan was go to a sumo match and that's something you're obviously not going to get anywhere else heather didn't attend this one with me i went to the one in nagoya and how sumo works is they have tournaments every other month so there's six tournaments throughout the year so it's every other month and the tournaments run for two weeks straight. So it's 14 straight days. So there's 14, um, 15 wrestlers, and they wrestle one match against each other person. So usually it starts around noon, and you can go, and it's like all the lower divisions, which is really funny to see because you're just bringing them in and out of the ring really, really quickly. And then as you get later in the day they start moving up the divisions. When you get to the top division, then it's all this pomp and circumstance. They all come out. They, they do traditional dance. It's really, really neat and really fun. Um, again, not that expensive. We're talking like 20 bucks to sit in general seating, which is fine. And if you have a chance, you should go to the... Uh, I didn't get to do this, but the Kako Jikan, which is the main building in Tokyo. I think they host three of the six. And uh, it's the traditional sumo stadium. And I didn't get to go there. But if you have a chance to go to sumo any of the days, you know, that's running in those two weeks, definitely go. Because that, you're not going to see that anywhere else. And it's just, it's a super fun atmosphere. Cool. All right. On on to eating. On to eating. And we've touched on some of this. So we're going to give you some general eating tips. Now that you know where to go and the activities to do, we'll give you some general eating tips. And then we're going to give you some of our specific places. And again, as we mentioned, as I tried to mention earlier and didn't know what I was really saying, we didn't do a lot of high-class dining. The yen was really strong when we were there against the US dollar. Um, You know, We were teaching, not making a lot of money. So we didn't eat out at really fancy places. But we did have a really good... I would say our eating experience was as a local, because that's what we were over two years. So this would be different if you're going for one week and one fine dining. But there's a few types of foods that you definitely have to try when you're in Japan.
1: We'll start with, I guess, the lowest class eating experience, which is also one of Trav's favorites, obviously. Yeah,
0: naturally. That would be going to Kambini's, which is an awesome name. Anyway, and I call our convenience stores in America to this day. I say, let's go to the conbini. Um So Combinis are convenience stores. They have 7-Elevens. They have all types, family marts, all types of convenience. Circle K, Circle K. which is
1: all, also but
0: in other countries. But this is a cultural experience as well. Everything happens at the combini. You go to the combini to pay your electric bill. You can go to get food, of course. You know, like you can buy... Tickets to concerts. They have like magazines there that people come and read for like hours. They just stand in the convenience read the magazine. You can buy alcohol
1: buy there. You can buy. Oh, alcohol. and by the way, you can drink anywhere in Japan on the trains, on the streets. So a lot of people will go to convenience to buy beer or wine or whatever. Um, so yeah, it's a very like cultural hotspot in an odd way
0: and you will see convenies and and um vending Vending machines everywhere everywhere. so you're never every corner you're never without a convenie even if you're in the ruralest of rural areas same with a convenience store you'll you'll be in the middle of a rice paddy a vending machine machine. there'll be nothing around but there'll be a row of 10 vending machines that someone drives out probably 30 miles to service like there
1: are really funny articles online that if you just google like strangest things about japan you know or like if you live in japan you'll find these 10 things like hilarious because they're all these like idiosyncrasies like having like a row of vending machines next to a rural rice field
0: yeah so definitely had to a kombini. and if you go to the kombinis, one of my favorite things to do and this is the cheapest way to eat in japan is to get onigiri and onigiri are rice balls sometimes they put stuff inside of them um, like fla- like flavored salmon, salmon or, or chicken or stuff like that. But I just loved the the stir fry or what they call it, the um, fried rice rice balls, I guess. So they had this awesome flavor to them. They're like less than a dollar. You get one or two. They're good for a lunch. They fill you up. So um, go to a combini. Definitely eat at a Kombini one of the days. Just pick up, go in, pick up anything that you don't know what it is, which will basically be everything, and just start trying stuff. So... Uh, They also have really good French fries and um, what they call red chicken, which are like chicken nuggets inside convenience. These are gross. So yeah, this is
1: not healthy eating. But some of the other foods to try that are really fun, like one of our Like McDonald's.
0: Speaking of healthy eating, McDonald's, right?
1: Yeah, McDonald's is really good in Japan. So if you're craving some Western-style food, we don't eat McDonald's in the U.S., but in Japan, as with everything, their customer service is so amazing so spot on you go to McDonald's and it's like made to order it's like going to like what what are the places here in the US like Five Guys or something like that where
0: It's just like three steps up from a North American McDonald's.
1: Yeah, it's it's very much, they don't make your food until you order and it's very fresh and it's perfectly, it looks like all the pictures you see of McDonald's. So, anyway.
0: And they have fascinating uh, menus. Like, they'll have, like, it's American month. So they'll have, like, an Idaho burger one week and it'll only be there for a week and they'll have, like, um, a, a Texas
1: burger Yeah, they'll have whatever. like a hash
0: brown on the Idaho one or the Texas one will have some crazy sauce like So it's chili. So funny
1: It is funny, but that's not what I was about to say Actually, I was going to say our, One of our favorite meals in Japan Is okonomiyaki Which is a mouthful to say But it's so fun And it's really delicious And it's basically a cabbage pancake Which sounds really weird
0: it sounds but, gross but it's fantastic. It's
1: really good and it's basically just shredded cabbage and then you you get to choose your ingredients. So you can choose like cheese and meats or seafood and you you put it all in a bowl and you mix it up with egg and then you grill it like on this hot grill in front of you and it gets really crispy and then you flip it over and then you put on this like amazing sauce, which I don't even know what it is, but it's, it's like, like brown, brown sugar. sugar
0: and soy yeah, sauce Yeah, it's like together. not like
1: barbecue sauce. Like it's this like... Barbecue barbecue sauce on crack or something because it's so good. And yeah, so anyway, then you just eat it and it's the best, especially if it's kind of cold out and you just get really warmed up. And we would eat that at least twice a month.
0: Yeah, so Okonomiyaki, you know, at the self, they have ones where you make it yourself, like Heather's talking about. Uh, Dontan Bori is the one that we always went to near our house. But Okonomiyaki, I think is most popular in Osaka, and um, you know
1: well Osaka, and then also Hiroshima because right, in Hiroshima, Hiroshima they do right. it with noodles, and then there's like two different kinds. There's right. the Hiroshima kind and the Osaka kind.
0: So and it yeah, it sounds gross. A cabbage pancake sounds disgusting. It's fantastic. You pick what you want in. It's just fun. It's super hot. It's super filling, and uh, it's a really good experience. Another yaki takoyaki, which is again, you uh, we don't expect if you, if you haven't been to Japan or you don't speak Japanese, these are going to ha- be hard to remember. Or
1: if you don't live on the West Coast because the West Coast has a lot of Japanese restaurants. And True. so I feel like people over there kind of know more Definitely about these. than us
0: East Coasters. Yeah. We went in totally blind. We knew nothing about Japanese culture before we went there. So we were schooled pretty quickly. Um, takoyaki is little balls filled with octopus. And uh, again, some people love it. My dad loved it. He he, The first meal he got when he arrived in Japan, he's like, what is this person doing out of the back of their VW van, and I'm like they're making takoyaki, and so there's these little balls of like dough, fried dough, yeah, filled with octopus in the middle. Um, little piece of octopus. Traditionally, you can get like sweet ones now, like filled with chocolate. Those are awesome, but traditionally, they're the takoyaki taco is octopus. So, yeah. Um, but try it out. You you might love it.
1: And then another thing that's really fun to do is yakiniku, which is just. Fried meat,
0: yeah, it means grilled meat, grilled and meat, this is yeah, what we meat. talked about, basically at the um, the
1: Genghis Khan barbecue. Genghis Khan, yeah. So you, there's just like yakiniku restaurants all over. You'll find them in every city, and you just go in and you choose the meats you want, and you throw them on your personal grill and and you cook them up. So.
0: Yaki another great thing to do with a group of people because you just get huge platters of meat, you cook it up. It's really thinly shaved meat for the most part, so it cooks very quickly. And most of this stuff now that I'm thinking, it's all like when it's cold out, it's better. Like it's great to do all this stuff when it's cold out, including the next one, which isn't one of our personal favorites, but obviously a lot of people love. And we have a friend, Bobby, who would eat this like three times a week. And this is ramen, and um,
1: which is actually Chinese, but it's just really prevalent all throughout Japan. I mean, Japanese people love ramen. You can find it everywhere. There's even a ramen museum, I think, in Yokohama, yeah, um, outside Tokyo. So it's very good, and especially up in Sapporo. If you're up there, they have like a whole floor of their main like train station. Filled with ramen restaurants. Yeah, it's like
0: the 18th floor and there's yeah. like 10 of the best ramen places in Japan. And then like you go around and they all try to get you sit in there. They have butter ramen up in Spora, which is where you basically stick a stick of butter, stick a stick of butter, say that a bunch, <laughs> into your ramen. But you know, ramen's all right. We didn't love it. But you know, you go and you get different things in it. Um, if you've only ever had ramen noodles like Heather and I, that's what we thought ramen was. Way different. Way better. Check that out. One of my favorite things to eat in Japan is called Tonkatsu. And this is fried, it's like, it's usually pork, sometimes it's chicken, but traditionally pork. It's like a fried cutlet that then they put over rice and then they put sauce on it. So you basically eat a fried pork cutlet over rice with sauce on it. Yeah, Not the healthiest Yeah,
1: The food in Japan is actually quite heavy other than just like the, the raw fish and stuff that they eat. Um... Like the nigiri and stuff, but yeah, I mean, a lot of food in Japan is fried, so it's hard to find like salad or lighter meals that you know some people are used to. We
0: we were blown away by the fact that there was so much fried food. I mean, you go into a grocery store and there is just a whole row of anything that you can imagine deep fried. Um, so yeah, there's a lot more fried food than I ever would have imagined. But tonkatsu definitely worth trying. Really, really good. Yeah. But
1: before we get into like the best eating, which is sushi, obviously, because everybody Definitely. knows about sushi. But before we get in that, here are two things that you might want to avoid because it can be very unpleasantly surprising. See, I
0: put them on the list as like, you got to try them <laughs> once at least. And we do not claim to like either of these. But if you're in Japan and you're a little bit adventurous, and even if you're not, we urge you to give... At least the first one to try. The second one, if you're not adventurous, maybe you don't want to. But the first one is Anko, and Anko is red bean paste. And you might give this a try by accident yeah. because you'll see all these good sweet treats.
1: Yeah, you'll be like, because Japan has actually, here's something that we should mention, a ton of bakeries. I can't believe we f- almost forgot to mention this.
0: And if you want my favorite pastry, get oh, a Mont boy. Blanc a Mont at Blanc. a bakery there. It's it's like a chestnut cupcake.
1: Yeah, I forgot that the, people in Japan love French cooking and French French bakery. So you will find bakeries everywhere. They're all really good. You'll find them in train stations. So if you do want a quick snack and you don't want the kombini food, <laughs> you can go to a bakery and get really nice baked goods. But this is where you might also run into Onco because you'll see like a, something that looks like a really delicious fried donut with sugar on it. You know, you think, oh great, a donut. You buy it because you can't read the Japanese symbols and it doesn't say anything in English and you bite into it and then you're met with red bean paste. Which is very odd.
0: (laughs) It is a very odd flavor if you're not used to it. I hated it. I I would be at my school. I'd always get all these little treats, you know, sweet treats and candies and stuff from teachers and kids. And they would always have Anko, red bean paste in the middle. And I hated it. And then, about a year and a half in, I finally, I don't love it. I wouldn't pick it, but at least you build up you a tolerance for it. Yeah. But some people honestly really love Anko. And I mean, a lot of Japanese people really love it. It's everywhere. But I mean, also, some people who are traveling through just like that flavor of the red bean paste. So, um, yeah, go to a store, buy a donut. And uh, if it's got something weird in the middle, it's probably Anko. Give it a try.
1: And then the other thing that we never acquired a taste for.
0: This is called natto, and natto is fermented soybean, and it's like a sticky, like imagine cheese that's really, really stringy, and that's like the consistency of it, but it's fermented soybean, and it's really hard to eat. It sticks to the roof of your mouth, and it's probably one of the most disgusting tastes (laughs) I've ever had, but... You either love it or hate it. Like the Japanese, if you say to a Japanese person that you tried natto, they will love. They'll laugh. You know, all you have to say is I hate natto, and they'll like think it's the funniest thing because either they love it. Most Japanese people love it, but some hate it. There's no in between. Um, so if you have yeah, a there's chance, there's
1: no ambivalence when it comes to natto. Yeah.
0: So if you have a chance, try it. It's super traditional. A lot of the older teachers in my school would just bring natto in to eat, and that would be their lunch. And I mean, it's it's a very traditional thing to eat in Japan. So. You got to give it a try. Just make sure you have something to wash it down with very close. that has a strong flavor um, because you're probably going to hate it. Yeah.
1: And now we get on to the crowning glory of Japanese food, in our opinion, which is sushi or sashimi or nigiri. Because when you're in Japan, you can get all of those things at such a high quality. Like the best tuna I ever had was from like a fish market in a small coastal town that our Japanese friend had bought, which would have been hard if we bought it. But he bought it and he just sliced it up himself and we just sat there and we ate the, the raw tuna with wasabi and soy sauce and it was amazing.
0: Yeah, so sushi, what we do is, you know, I, I would recommend that you go to Kaiten Sushi, which is the conveyor belt sushi. That's the fast food of sushi, basically. And there's two places that we liked. One's called Sushi Row and one's called Kappa Sushi. There's, there's a few others, but... That's a really good experience because you just sit down, the conveyor belts go by, you have no idea what's happening at first. You just grab plates off them, and then you pay at the end for how many plates that you ate. So it's a really inexpensive meal. We would probably do Kaiten sushi at least oh. twice a week. Yeah. Sometimes we would just go every single day because it was cheap, it was decent. Um and it and it was just a good experience and you know it's quick and easy and yeah things and like you can that. just
1: choose like such a a variety of different pieces of sushi and they had other little things too like cakes and desserts and you it's typically
0: know. about a dollar a plate and yeah. uh, so you can eat a lot of sushi for eight to ten dollars now we will say though with sushi uh, we mentioned the standing sushi bar which was great that's in Tokyo um, there's a few places if you're in Tokyo look it up it's a great in between of the conveyor belt sushi and the expensive sushi. So it's about $2, $2.50 a plate, but it's worlds better than the Kaiten sushi. And you just go in and again, you just order stuff, they give it to you. It's, it's a really little space. You actually stand up, hence the name. And I um, highly recommend it if you want a quick meal in Tokyo. It's near a Burger King in Shibuya. That's the best yeah. advice I can give you. It's
1: hard to find. but
0: That place is crazy, but if you find the Burger King, you'll find the standing <laughs> sushi bar.
1: And then, I mean, especially because you're on vacation and you'll probably be able to splurge more than we did living in Japan every day, but you have to go to a really good sushi place because you'll never have better sushi than you will in Japan. And we went to one in the, in the city that we lived in of Hamamatsu, and you can find them anywhere, you know? But the one that we went to was just really beautiful in this old building you know very traditional and they just had a, a menu of like the freshest ones of that day and it was good it was expensive i mean we we
0: spent the one shrimp plate a plate yeah, of two, two pieces shrimps. of shrimp sushi was 10 bucks yeah. i think most were like 6 to 7 but it is you you have to do it's so much different than the sushi that we are used to at, at least if you don't eat really good sushi here in the states and even if you do i mean it's just the, the sushi is perfect in some of these places. Um, and you can spend upwards to $300 for a sushi meal. If, you're, uh, if you can get in, if you ever want a good documentary, it's called Jiro Dreams of Sushi. Fantastic documentary. He has a nine-seat restaurant. It's the smallest Michelin star restaurant in the world. Uh, I think he's 91 now, so he may pass soon. It keeps kicking. And it um you, you can't even get in basically without reservations reservations like seven, eight months out or without knowing someone. But... You know, It's $300 to come in and eat a meal sushi, but everyone I know who's done it has said it is well worth it and they cannot eat any other sushi ever again because that's how good <laughs> it is. So, so
1: maybe it's a bad idea if you like sushi.
0: Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Something that good sounds worth it. So good sushi is definitely worth it. Give it a try. Um, if you're in Tokyo, you can go to the Tsukiji Fish Market. That's the really famous fish market that's there. Um, you have to get up really early to get into the fish market, but there's a bunch of sushi places right outside and they bring the fish in so that might be another place that you can go in. and you might spend 30 40 bucks on a meal of sushi but it's going to be the freshest sushi you'll ever eat because they're literally pulling it out of the market fresh that day and turning it into sushi so um looks like we got to go back i can't believe it's been almost four years since we've been in japan i
1: know it's pretty crazy so
0: time to go back um let's give you a little overview of places to stay and and a few of our places uh favorites in different places if you're on a budget and then we'll talk general, about general travel tips, too. And, and we did talk a lot about this in the um, Japan Survival Guide as well. So you can get more information on that. We'll run through these. But a few of the Japan has some u- unique ways to stay. It's not all just hotels.
1: So, our favorite way to stay, our favorite places to stay in Japan are ryokans, which is just a traditional Japanese hotel. So they have usually a family room where you can, you know, it's one big room and you all sleep on like little futons and things like that, but they're they're traditional houses or hotels. So you'll have like the paper doors and you know, it's really cool. So I really enjoyed staying at places like that.
0: And they call them, you know, when it translates kind of to like an inn versus a hotel because it is. It's small. Like it's it's local, family owned. Yeah. yeah. And it's just they're really great. You can find ryokans all over the place. Um, it's just a, it's a local place. And traditionally they are in old Japanese buildings and they have the traditional feel versus what you would get at a standard hotel like a holiday yeah. inn
1: and the like hotels that. in Japan are, are small like the rooms are the smallest rooms I've <laughs> ever seen in hotels yeah. like, smaller than in Europe and, and yeah they're very tiny so staying in a ryokan and kind of feel like you have more space
0: and typically they're they will run about the same amount as a hotel so if you have a choice between a ryokan or a hotel pick a hotel. Some of the cool types of hotels they have there, though, that are traditional or um, unique to Japan are capsule hotels and love hotels. So if you get a chance to stay in either of these, capsule hotel, if you've never seen it, um, basically, you you get a bed and you are in... I don't know how to describe it. You're, you're basically in a bunk, but you're, you're like closed in in your own bed. But that's what you have. You have a bed and you're closed in. And then they have common areas for bathrooms and they even like the one I stayed in in Tokyo had a kitchen that you could go in and cook at a restaurant. But then when you went to your bed, you just like closed yourself in this little pod and you had a TV in there and uh, that was it. So they are a cheap way to just get a night's sleep and they're usually for like salary men who don't go home at night and they just need a place to stay um, in the cities.
1: Yeah, I never stayed in one, but Trav was adventurous and he he wanted to stay in one. It's
0: worth trying it out for sure as long
1: as you're not claustrophobic right so then the other thing love hotels which are just like very unusual and usually themed in some way um to be like romantic or just bizarre
0: bizarre. yes like 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 super mario love hotels (laughs) where every room is a different mario character all types of crazy stuff
1: yeah and i mean they're not like i guess they can be seedy but they're not Traditionally, super seedy, but you can rent them. I guess
0: for a rest or a stay, a rest, a rest, or, rest or a stay would be during the day, if you need to rest during the day, or you have a special someone that you would like to um, take to a hotel, and then a stay. Usually, what happens with love hotels? Just be aware, you know, you you have to come in. Tip, not all the same, but typically, like after nine p.m., you can come in, and then you. You lock into the room and then you can't leave the room until the next morning. Well, I mean, you can, but if you leave the room, then you're out. Like you can't come and go. So love hotels are not good. If you're like, oh, I'm going to put my stuff down in this hotel, then I'm going to go back out onto the town. No, they're for like going, staying the night in and then leaving the next morning. But they're really fun and funky and they've got all types of themes and um, just recommend checking them out. Um and again, another unique cultural experience. Right.
1: Then, if you're really on a budget, or you're just out of luck, and you you know can't find your hotel, or you we were both with this, happened. you don't have plans to stay in a city, and then you have to stay in the city, um, which happened to us when we were returning to Japan from a trip, and we landed in Osaka, and we missed our last train back to our house. And we had to stay in Osaka overnight. And we tried to stay in a love hotel, but like they were actually really expensive. And so we ended up staying at an internet cafe.
0: Yep. And so you can go and you can rent like regular typical internet cafes. You can rent computers and you can like rent little pods to like play games in and stuff like that. Or they have. Bigger cubicles where they put a mat on the floor for people who want to game and then sleep and then wake up and game or people who just want to sleep. And that's what we did. We sh- shoved ourselves into this like cubicle with a mat on the floor and we just slept for... Yeah, and pay by hour typically. Yeah.
1: And there were four of us, and we were in a cubicle. I mean, we were all able to at least stretch out fully, but it was like sardines. I mean, we were all just like right next to each other. And I mean, I didn't sleep terribly. No, so so the thing
0: that Japan is great for is that you have all these options, internet cafes, um, capsule hotels... Um, it, it is okay for you to like sleep in train stations and airports. We've done that plenty as well. It's not frowned. It's a very upon. safe
1: country. Yeah, as it's very well. safe.
0: You know, people actually sleep in restaurants. So, you know, time is a little different there. So you might get in at like two a.m. or something on a flight. Well, if you can't catch the train to where you need to go till five or six p.m. or six a.m. In a lot of areas, you know, you're kind of out of luck. Like you have to go to a hotel, or you just would wander around. Here, they have because people are up all the time and always working and always traveling and stuff like that. They have all these options for you to get like a couple hours of sleep and and not have to pay a lot of money. So, yeah, check out capsule hotels, love hotels, internet cafes, definitely ryokans, um, traditional Japanese inns. And one of the best websites to find these on in Japan and Japan-centric is a site called Rakuten. And we'll link all this stuff up in the show notes at extrapackofpeanuts.com slash pods. But Rakuten is a really good one. And we also used Agoda a lot, which is really good for hotels in Asia in general. But Rakuten, we found some really good deals that... Um, because it's a Japanese website that then they translate kind of. So a lot of deals that you wouldn't have found on these big hotels.com and Agoda and things right. like that. Right,
1: and if you have hotel points, which I know a lot of our listeners do, you can use them in the bigger cities like the Park Hyatt in Tokyo is obviously super famous because of the movie Lost in Translation, but it's also really beautiful and it has a pool, which not many hotels in Japan have pools. Much so to my chagrin. Yeah, so anyway, you can definitely use your hotel points in the bigger cities where they have the chains
0: yeah so here are a few of our favorites that you should uh, you know look at if you're traveling through these areas so one of our favorite places was the canalian and this is like a um it's one yeah it's a hostel one guy owns it um fabulous he's he did it all himself he did this it's crazy it's made out of all wood it's really fantastic it's in yokohama so check out the Canalean if you're traveling through yokohama or if you want to check out yokohama really quick train ride from tokyo Um, our favorite, my favorite place to stay, maybe in the entire world is a place called K's house, Ido Onsen. And again, this is on the Izu Peninsula. So about an hour and a half from Tokyo. And this is a traditional ryokan that is fabulous.
1: It's right on the river. So you have the room and it has the, you know, the paper doors and it opens up to like a little sitting area that's on the river and you can just hear it's very peaceful and it's just it's it's traditional but they've modernized it so you feel like really comfortable and they have an onsen which we haven't talked about onsens yet but they are like like um natural hot springs throughout Japan and they have one in In this hotel, and you should definitely, while you're in Japan, go to an onsen or stay in a hotel that has its own onsen because it's really cool, relaxing, and definitely very traditional. I can't
0: believe we missed that in the activities. Yeah, stay at an onsen. Great call, Hath. And K's House is a is a it's not a chain, but they own maybe five or six different places around um, Japan. So K's House Ito Onsen we recommend, but there's a K's House in Kyoto. Um, I think there's one in Hiroshima. So they're very well regarded. So if you're looking for a traditional guest house slash hostel thing, check out K's house in any of the cities that you're going to. Again, we'll link that up. Two really cheap places that we've stayed in Tokyo because Tokyo can get pretty pricey. One is called Hotel Nuts. You heard that correctly Hotel Nuts. And the other is called the Ace Inn. And both of them are in Shinjuku in Tokyo, so centrally located. And um, near, you know, train lines and everything like that.
1: Ace Inn, I, I don't... I you mean, stayed we, there.
0: We stayed there we after stayed the We stayed there, run.
1: but it was also like bunk beds. I mean, it yes, was it not... it was
0: kind of a capsule hotel because you had wooden bunk beds, but just a a sheet that yeah, covered yeah so that
1: entrance. was tr- that was a that was a um it's like an old
0: hostel. school capsule hotel yeah
1: it's a hostel so you might not want to do that on your vacation the hotel nuts was also not like super nice but it, we stayed in one that was like kind of an apartment so i mean it was clean but it was nothing special
0: yeah so we're talking budget travelers go for this if you're looking for a romantic, nice experience, Hotel Nuts, asin, no. probably not Use what you're your looking for. Use your points
1: and go to the Park Hyatt.
0: <laughs> there you go. Um, and in Kyoto, this place we stayed at least two or three times. Every time we went to Kyoto, we stayed here called the uh, Harton Hotel in Kyoto. And one of the big selling points, A, was really centrally located and fairly cheap for a hotel. We're talking, I think when we were there like 70 bucks a night or something. They have free bike rentals as well, which was amazing because then we would just go, we'd stay there, we'd grab a bike and, and we'd go off. So... The Hartanho and Hotel in Kyoto. It took me about 10 minutes to remember that and find that. Yesterday, <laughs> I was searching on the Hotels.com. Like, what has free bike rentals? Yeah. And I found it for you guys. Yeah, so, that
1: is a nice hotel.
0: Yeah, that's a legit hotel. Um, so there you go. Some of our favorites and some of the, the places to stay. Ta- let's touch on travel. Um, just some advice on how to get around Japan and things like that before we let you guys go. The number one recommendation for anyone who is coming as a tourist. So if you're listening to this and you're a resident, you can't get it. And that's why Heather and I couldn't get it when we lived there. But if you're coming as a, on a tourist, I'm not going to say a tourist visa because you don't need a visa. But if you're coming as a tourist, uh, you can get the Japan Rail Pass.
1: And you have to sign up for this before you arrive, correct?
0: Right. Right. So you have to get this before you arrive.
1: And it seems a little expensive. Although right now, with the dollar crushing all currencies, it's not that bad. I think it's like... Three hundred. It's, it's like two hundred. It's down.
0: It's less than It's like two hundred and forty dollars for a seven-day pass,
1: which is well worth it because it includes the bullet train. So you can literally hop on the Shinkansen in. Tokyo and be in Kyoto In like what is it three hours I mean it is so fast the Shinkansen Is like the coolest thing ever I was obsessed With it when we were in Japan
0: and that's a thing You Um, should definitely do if you're going to Japan you probably Will do ride the bullet train for sure Because
1: I mean you can get domestic Flights in Japan pretty easily which I think Travel touch on but It's really unnecessary because the Shinkansen Is so fast and so Easy and you don't have to like get there early and Check in like you do with flying And it's seamless and it goes to all the main Major cities.
0: And and we should mention when we say Shinkan Center, the bullet train, there's more than one. Like they have tracks all over the country. So it's not like one train. that's what I thought before I went to Japan that oh it's one train that goes between like Tokyo and Osaka. No, it goes no, all it goes over the all country. All
1: over and there are three different ones that the different Three or four speeds?
0: different or three levels of three speed levels of and speed. then like four or five different companies that run it based on the part of the country you're in. But if you get the Japan Rail Pass It
1: covers everything. It's
0: covered, buses are covered, it covers everything are yep. it's it's fantastic and with the japan rail pass you can just hop on and hop off like you don't have to make appointments or book or reserve seats or anything like that so uh, you know to put it in perspective it's right now 240 us dollars or around there for a seven-day pass and i think 400 for 14 days you know it gets it goes down incrementally as you add on i think you can get up to a month or maybe right. 21 days
1: and when we lived in japan and we went to you know tokyo to Kyoto. How if, much was if that? You
0: go from Narita Airport in Tokyo. Oh yeah, and you go from Narita Airport down to Kyoto or Osaka and then back. That will be the uh, basically the equivalent of how much you pay for a seven-day Japan Rail Pass. So, which it, you
1: can use multiple times.
0: Yeah, and get on and get off whenever you want. So it's well worth it if you are going. If you are going to travel at all, if you are going to take one train trip that on a on a the Shinkansen that's like any you know a somewhat decent distance. The, your Japan rail pass will end up being cheaper or um, or the same price so definitely highly recommend the Japan rail pass again as Heather mentioned you have to get it before you leave though and and there's a really good English website we'll link that up you know if you just Google Japan Rail Pass. It'll come up in English. Yeah,
1: it's really easy to get. And then you just pick it up at the first stage, train station you get to. You. You'll have your passport. You show it to them.
0: And-, and, and the train... So another good tip if you're looking for schedules of trains to use hyperdia.com. This is an English language website that saved us all the... We use this every day, all the time in Japan, because you can just see... You can go from station to station, it's all in English, and it'll tell you um, the schedule and things like that. So again, trains are the best way to get around, definitely. If you're coming... One last tip, if you're coming from uh, Narita Airport and you want to get down to downtown Tokyo and you don't have the Japan Rail Pass for some reason, because maybe you're only staying in Tokyo, um, there's two options. And the Keisei Skyliner is much cheaper than the Narita Express, and it's actually quicker. So you wanna look into that. Um, look into the Skyliner instead of the Narita Express. I think one is $60 and one is like $30. So, you know, that, that'll save you a chunk of change if all you're doing is like going into Narita and have to get in and out of Tokyo. So that that's kind of everything with trains. Highly recommend trains. Don't rent a car. We didn't, we had a car for the last year we were there, but we would never rent a car for we a company. You can get almost anywhere you need with a train, but for example, going up to Sapporo, or if you want to go up to the northernmost island, then you want to fly down to Okinawa, which is you know the southernmost islands, which we didn't even touch on. But basically, like the Hawaii of Japan, and Sapporo is like the Alaska of Japan. Um, you're you're going to have to use a budget airline or an airline to get to some of those places, and there are some really good budget airlines in Japan.
1: Yeah, we used um, Air Asia.
0: Yep, Air Asia, and it has flies domestically in Japan, and it also flies in and out of Japan to other places in Asia. So we used AirAsia to go down to Bali and down to Thailand and stuff like that from Japan.
1: We've got Skymark, which we used predominantly like to get up to Sapporo and to get down to Okinawa.
0: Yeah, Skymark is a... V- I think just domestic in Japan. And they have like 10 tiers of tickets. So the earlier you book with Skymark, the better. And um, they're really great. We went all the way from Hamamatsu, you know, up to Sapporo and back. And I think it was $80 round trip. I mean, so equivalent of someone saying, I'm going to fly from San Francisco up to Anchorage, Alaska and back and getting it for like $80. fantastic deals on Skymark sometimes. And then there's another one called Peach Airlines, which we didn't use because four years ago, it was just getting started in Japan right as we were leaving. But I heard really great things about that. So if you know if you can't use trains or if you are going to be hopping around a lot, let's say you're going to the northernmost island, then you're going to go down to Tokyo, then you're going to go down to Okinawa, you know, check out Budget airlines they they provide another way to travel, but you have to get on the Shinkansen at some point, right Ha
1: Yeah, it's so cool. It was one of my favorite things in Japan
0: all right so so giving them we gave them a great, huge overview. you know this is a whole country, which is why it ran a little long here for our destination diary. but to hit the major major points, highly recommend Hanami, which is the cherry blossom season, which is end of March to April
1: right or fall. Or winter for skiing.
0: Yeah, definitely go to Kyoto. Um, it's, it's a magical place. We love Kyoto. And if you want to go skiing and you head up north to Sapporo, try to go to the Snow Festival in early February if you can. Um, other things they should definitely do.
1: Um, definitely go to the parks in Tokyo. Do sumo. Do some type of sporting event as Travis highly recommends.
0: Uh, love sumo for sure. And uh, things that you should eat, you know, you got to get good sushi and you got to try the traditional Japanese things like Okonomiyaki, Onigiri, Yakiniku. If you don't know what it is, give it a try. That's kind of our... That was our MO, right? in, right. Um, in, in there, good sushi is worth it. If you can stay at a Ryokan, highly recommend it. Also, check out Love Hotels, Internet Cafes, um, and some of the places that we mentioned with the hotels. And then for travel.
1: Get the rail pass. Absolutely. And go on Hyperdia for all of the train schedules.
0: Yeah. So there you guys have it. Boiling down Destination Diary Japan to a few sentences. Um, We really, really appreciate everything we mentioned. You know, Again, if you don't speak Japanese, you haven't been to Japan, a lot of this is going to sound like, what are they talking about? I cannot even pronounce that. We felt that way uh, probably for the first four months. People would say like Okonomiyaki. I'm like... Uh, uh, what are they saying? You know, And then you get used to it. So we will be linking everything up in the show notes. You can get the show notes at extrapackofpeanuts.com slash pods. You can find that there. The show notes for this episode and every other episode. And if you like this episode and you're thinking about Japan and things like that, uh, two other ones that we highly recommend. Episode 197, we talk about teaching English in Japan. So if you if you're interested in moving to Japan and having a good job, Heather and I just talk about the different ways that we did it. I taught in a Japanese high school.
1: And I taught business English at a corporation. So you can definitely find lots of opportunities there.
0: Yeah. And uh, episode 198 was our Japan Survival Guide. Some of the stuff we touched on here, we also touched on in there. But that goes a little more in depth there. So we want to give a shout out to our sponsor as well, um, Tortuga Backpacks. If you're looking for a great travel backpack, whether you're going to Japan or anywhere else in the world, head to TortugaBackpacks.com. Use the promo code EPOP, E-P-O-P, all capital letters. That will get you 10% off your entire order. And if you like the destination diary episode, which we've been getting great feedback on, people who are going to Japan or going to these places that we've done destination diary episodes, um, and liking the feedback on that of of where we went and what we recommend and and restaurants and things like that, we've got destination diary episodes now for the following places: Cape Town, Chiang Mai,
1: Guatemala,
0: Philadelphia, Portugal, Santiago de Compostela in Spain,
1: Portland, Oregon, Colorado, Croatia
0: and India. So a wide range of diverse cities, countries, areas. So you can check them all out extrapackofpeanuts.com slash pods. It's all the episodes. Of course, you can find it on iTunes and Stitcher as well. So thank you guys for tuning in today. Thank you for the support as always. Extra special thank you to anyone who went over to the Location Indie podcast last week and subscribed and help us, helped us hit the top 100 podcasts in the world, which is pretty insane to say because we've got a lot of amazing podcasts out there where the people are spending hundreds of thousands of dollars. And here, Heather and I am, are sitting on our couch recording into the microphone. So that's pretty special. Really appreciate that, guys. Um, and if you, if you want to learn more about location independence and how to travel, live, and work anywhere in the world, make this a lifestyle kind of like we have check out the location indie podcast you can also check out location indie i n d i e com so thanks for the support thank you for making us the number 1 rated travel podcast on iTunes and until next time
1: happy free travels i'll show you very soon.